place. It is our living room, and the loft in it is lined with bookshelves, crammed with travelogues, memoirs, histories, and expedition accounts about countries in which I have worked. But mainly it is a room of artifacts, of casual items acquired for their beauty, interest, or merely because they resonate in our hearts, each a memento of exploration and desire. Wooden masks from the Congo and Nepal hang on a wall, as does a Maasai shield of buffalo hide from Tanzania. A Dayak head-hunting knife from Sarawak is suspended from a beam beside an intricately woven basket from Laos, used for collecting edible plants, land crabs, and other items for a meal. A shelf holds a stone adze from Brazil, a chunk of dinosaur bone from Mongolia, and a walrus tusk from Alaska, with scrimshaw of seals and a polar bear. Against a wall stands a carved wooden chest from Pakistan's Swat Valley. A brass bucket from Afghanistan holds firewood, and there's a lamp with a bronze base from India, and a photograph of Marco Polo's sheep that reminds me of my studies in Tajikistan. Of all the countries in which I have worked, I have spent far more years on projects in China than anywhere else. In 1980, I was invited to join a team of Chinese scientists in a four-year study of giant pandas, a venture arranged by World Wildlife Fund. After the conclusion of that project, I began field research on the high Tibetan plateau of western China, and I continue with it still drawn to the luminous landscape, the wildlife, and the Tibetan culture. Tibetan rugs cover the floor of our room, a large thangka, a scroll painting of Tara, the deity of loving-kindness and compassion, covers part of one wall. Seven lacquered sampa bowls, lovely in shape and design, used for storing barley flour, cover one table. On a shelf rests a prayer wheel, a tiny temple bell with crystalline sound, a cup for butter tea, and an incense box with two carved snow lions, their turquoise manes flowing, reminding us of Tibet's snowy mountains. A large black-and-white photograph taken over a hundred years ago shows the Potala, the Dalai Lama's former home, on its hill overlooking fields and mountains beyond Lhasa. The Tibetan Plateau has infected me, particularly the Chang Tong, the Great Northern Plain. Chang Tong. The name enchants. It conjures a vision of totemic loneliness, of space, silence, and desolation. A place nowhere intimate, yet that is part of its beauty. Even years before my first visit, I had long wanted to explore its secrets, and, intrigued by the accounts of early Western travelers, I traced and retraced their journeys with a finger on a map. The Chang Tong was forbidden to foreigners, devoid of roads, and almost uninhabited. Its inaccessibility enhanced its allure. In 1984, I finally had the opportunity to penetrate its vastness, an area which covers not just the northern part of the Tibet Autonomous Region, but also western Qinghai Province and the southern rim of the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. By 2011, I had made 26 journeys to the Changtang for a total of about 41 months, not counting wildlife surveys I have made in eastern Tibet and the Pamir Mountains of southwest China. 
Though drawn to remote and little-known places by inclination, I also knew that the Chang Tong in northern Tibet and other parts of the Tibetan Plateau harbored a variety of large mammals. None of them studied, their lives still a mystery. Years of political turmoil had decimated China's wildlife, as I had noted during the panda study, and I wondered about the current status of various other species. Mainly, I wondered how certain species of the Tibetan Plateau had fared. I wanted to delve into the lives of the Tibetan antelope, or chiru, the Tibetan wild ass, or kiang, the wild yak, and other members of the unique mammal community on these uplands. Initially, the State Forestry Administration, called the Ministry of Forestry at the time, in Beijing, suggested that I survey the distribution of snow leopard. This I did, but soon my attention shifted to Chiru. The species intrigued me with its wanderings, here today and gone tomorrow. To know about the movements of an animal is a first step in protecting it. Little did I know.